Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to FX Moment, which is part of our FIC Focus podcast series. My name is Audrey Child Freeman. I am the Chief G10 FX Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. And today I'm joined by Mark Anderson, who is Head of Global Asset Allocations at UBS Wealth Management. Mark, welcome to FX Moment. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so for having a, me, Audrey. <laughs> uh, quite a good time to join, Mark. I mean, we're looking back uh, to January and to early February, and, and despite the rebound that we've seen in the dollar in the past two sessions, uh, I just look at my charts on the DXY, we're still down about, uh, well, just over 2% from, from the start of the year, still down 9% from the November high. And I guess the big question now is, you know, the, the U.S. January non-farm payrolls were, were a big shock for, for the market. I mean, we, we'd almost fallen into dollar bearishness complacency. Uh, and what I'm kind of wondering, and, and I'm sure many of us are wondering the same thing as we start the week now, is to what extent is this a, a game changer for your outlook for the dollar? Um, so what, what's your take on this? And how, how do you, first of all, how do you approach effects at UBS uh, uh, Wealth Management? What's your take? Thanks so, thanks so much, Audrey, and thanks so much for, for having me. So I guess maybe as a, as a broad introduction to how we think about FX. So first and foremost, we have clients that are reaching out to us here in the global asset allocation team and the investment office, more broadly speaking, with UBS Wealth, where they're essentially trying to protect and grow their wealth. And for many clients, FX is uh, first and foremost a source of risk, understood in the way that, you know, depending on where they spend their money, it's something that can uh, dilute their purchasing power. So we try to be very conscious about where we hedge currency risk and where we actively take risk. And then secondly, we of course have a number of clients that are very engaged into FX topics and then care about where we are forecasting appreciation, depreciation, and therefore try to position their portfolios kind of accordingly. And in in kind of in the way that we try to frame things, I think, Audrey, to some extent, a little bit how you have a bit of a framework. We also try to think about a degree of fair valuation when it comes to currencies. And then obviously we spend a lot of time on more the cyclical factors like uh, interest rate differentials, where we have you know surprises in economic indicators, our read of central banks, etc. And to the point that you shortly introduced before, you're absolutely right that we've had this now narrative for, um, for for the last few months, right? Something that started in Q4 where all of these beautiful factors that was very dollar bullish for most of 21 and, and 22 all of a sudden turned on its head in terms of you know, the U.S. Uh, all of a sudden started to slow economically and surprising more on the downside relative to Europe. Yield differentials were narrowing and somehow the geopolitical risks were put a little bit in, in the background. So something that, that all went a bit against the dollar. And now you're absolutely right. Now we had this absolutely bumper payrolls report on on Friday with say more than a than a half million jobs being uh, created for uh, for the month of January. And I think I would have been less surprised if we would have had a negative two hundred thousand print or something of that sort. And it kind of was was coming at a time where we also got uh, an ISM services that that accelerated 
you know, very surprisingly kind of suggesting that a bit of this, uh, this lag between monetary policy and impact on the real economy, you know, is, is that shorter than we expecting? Did we already see the bottom of US economic data? So a lot of question marks around what is kind of now the outlook for, for the dollar for, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, and I think you raise a very good point. To me, the surprise in the uh, in the ESIM in the ESM indicators in the non-manufacturing ESIM was even more shocking. I, I was really puzzled by that by that one because um, you know this if that's confirmed in the next in the next few months that's becoming quite relevant. Uh, and, and you know certainly you know before we had the non-farm payrolls, I've been I've been writing a. a couple of notes about you know how could it all go wrong for dollar bears and and certainly you know for me the way I, I think about it is is how the 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 bearish drivers that we've identified and, and you know you mentioned them uh, but on monetary policy on the macro on the macro story and on risk appetite how could they how could they change uh, and and the, on the macro on the real economy you know for me you know, up until Friday, in my head, it was like, okay, the U.S. is clearly slowing down. The eurozone is not doing amazingly well, but it's not doing as bad as expected. And you know, in effect, everything is relative, and it's all about the relative play and the macro risk reward story had turned in the past few weeks, and, and that you know gave me a very nice story for euro dollar upside. Um, and certainly, you know, I, I, I was referring to a chart about with the city economic indicators, surprises indices, which were showing a divergence between the US and, and the Eurozone. And that really worked out perfectly well for seven or eight weeks. And now suddenly, you know, we have a couple of US data that turn out really strong. And, and this theory is being questioned. Uh, so, you know, what I'm thinking is that we all have very short memory in FX. <laughs> so we have to be a little bit cautious here. And, you know, it's only a one month data. And on, on the employment figure, the, this could be re revision. There could be an element of seasonality. So let's see what comes up in February. Um, and, and on the on the ESIM indicators, uh, it's the same thing. I think, we, you know, they are survey indicators. And we just need to wait and see. Uh, what comes up in, in the next in the next month or so. So I, su I suspect we all are going to just adjust to the same approach as the Fed and the central banks in general in G10, and we all data watchers, and that's what we have to do. Uh, and I suspect that you know the the drivers on the bullish drivers on euro, bearish drivers on the US remain valid at this point. But we are little. We, that was a bit of a wake up call. We just need to be very careful about you know assessing first of all the real economy um, and the second part which i think will have more of a clue next week is the inflation story yes and the weaker dollar that we saw over the past few weeks was actually predicated um, under the assumption that the worst of the inflation was behind us so the market was starting to speculate that u.s rate peaks were looming and getting nearer uh, and for me, that was actually enough to drive to drive the dollar lower. Uh, but now that you know, growth surprises are on the upside on the US a little bit, and then at the same time, we need to keep an eye on inflation. So I think next week, uh, inflation will be very, very important. 
Um, so what, what's, your, what's your view on, on, on that aspect and that element on, on inflation going forward? Um, so I guess we, along with the rest of the market, are kind of seeing these headline levels of inflation coming down and very likely already uh, have, have peaked. We're probably a bit in the camp as well that we might end up settling uh, at a higher rate of, of, of inflation than we were used to, just judging from the coinflation and kind of the tightness of, of the labor market. So, so, so we might not get down to that kind of comfortable two-ish uh, kind of kind of level in 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 the U.S. With with that being said, and you raised some good point be before, Dwi, I was probably the most surprised by this ISM services as well last week, as much as I was surprised by by the payroll sprint. And and you're right, that kind of does indicate that there is a as a bit of uh, momentum or strength in in the economy that that had otherwise you know had at least. Been telling us a story the last couple of months that things were, were slowing but then of, of other kind of you know as we are now like you said data watchers there was a couple of other very i think encouraging news from the from the u.s labor market which was that that we both had uh, weekly uh, hours uh worked uh up you know quite a bit from 34.4 to 34.7 so that's a big jump in the amount of time that people are working Labor force participation rate went up. Uh, uh, I think there was even kind of an adjustment in 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 kind of the estimates of immigration in the U.S. So there was kind of a number of things that kind of told us. I mean, I kind of went a bit into this kind of soft landing uh, type approach, where I think you're right that the market has been expecting, you know, uh, for the Fed ultimately to cut because they might end up over tightening and the economy will weaken quite significantly, et cetera, et cetera. But I think with this kind of data that we've gotten out, it certainly suggests that the Fed might just, you know, continue to go a bit bit further. We might end up a little bit higher than what the market is currently pricing, and they might just end up keeping it there uh, for, for longer. And that's at least kind of a, a mix where, you're right, we also have Euro dollar a bit further down towards the end of the year. We have 110 in our forecast. but. But I think kind of the story for significantly further dollar weakness at least um, um, saw some some uh, some some challenges uh, with the data we we had out last week. Yeah, I think a week ago we could have had a similar discussion, and we were still sitting down and all wondering what could be the trigger of a pullback. I mean, we also. Like even if you look at positioning, uh, you know the euro is looking already is is already overcrowded in terms of euro longs. Uh, the trade the, the the trade had been going on for a while, but you know the way I was looking at it was thinking, well, but give me a reason not to, to stick to that view. Um, and uh, and you know on Friday we got a bit of a taste of what could be to come, if uh, any of the the drivers that had been uh, pushing the do dollar lower for quite a while now uh, are being questioned, and you know that was uh, that was quite quite a reaction that we saw. And I suspect you know we we talked about the macro element that uh, you know could question the dollar the dollar bearish view, and, and the other thing that kind of is on the back of my head and it hasn't really been talked about, but I, I am certainly paying attention is the geopolitical situation. You know, remember. Like a year ago, the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, well, 
just over a year ago now uh, was was a big global story driver and certainly that pushed the euro significantly lower i think now we're in a stage where it's a more of a local driver and the euro is not trading on this anymore uh, but this story could come back and kind of spoil the party for for the euro and the other thing you know in the wake of you know the headlines that we had is the china us relations again a geopolitical uh, element that we have kind of com- not completely ignored but it hasn't really been a driver uh, and if that comes back and the market gets nervous about the, the relation and the implication of uh, any stiffening in the relations then i think you know that kind of brings a, a more nervous uh, market sentiment across asset classes and usually that should be uh, associated to to a stronger dollar so yeah i think you know it was it, it's been a little bit of a cold shower if you're euro bull I, I don't think we have a, enough ground at all to give up on on the views that we had but i think that at least we we've had a confirmation of what could spoil the view uh, in the course of the year and you know at the end of the day it's only early february now so yeah. a, year, a year is a long a long time um just uh, in in terms of uh, you know we talked about the dollar we talked about the euro what in terms of thinking about outside the, the, the that that pair do you have any strong conviction in the g10 any currency that you really like or you don't like and do you, do, you, do you want to tell us about about that so what what's your thinking on on g10 fx in general uh absolutely thanks audrey we do have a preferred currency uh which is the australian dollar at the moment so um we we do think that the china reopening story is significant we have started to see both that uh that say you know uh, COVID or the zero COVID policy seems to be behind us. The reopening story means that we are likely to see a, a decent amount of reacceleration of, of growth in, in in China. We recently upgraded our GDP views and uh, as a consequence also actually our view on commodities that we are seeing more favorable, particularly around uh, the metals and, and, and oil. And we think a number of those kind of factors are likely to lead uh, the Australian uh, dollar stronger so we have a long Aussie position uh, against US dollars and we are forecasting for the Aussie to read, uh, reach 76 by uh, end of the, the year so that is one currency that we have been zooming in um, uh, as of late. Okay thank you I, I, I'm with you totally uh, entirely with you on, on that position um, uh, on that trade I mean the Aussie dollar has been kind of uh, for quite a long time they, there's been very little incentive for gaining exposure onto the Aussie dollar but China's reopening uh, is I think in that respect definitely uh, a game changer for the Aussie and positioning valuation kinds of all ticks the boxes at the moment what we don't want to see is a sustainable you know shift in risk sentiment which would kind of again question the view but I think overall for the course of the year the Aussie dollar uh, continues to look very appealing and and one I, I'll just mention one last thing is that uh, it could be it's relevant to your world market and and you know just following up on on uh, a, a note that we published this morning about you know the the Swiss franc that I think especially now that there's a, a little bit more of an element of of uncertainty uh, you know back into the market not it's not one-way trade um, 
I think, you know, the, the Swiss franc is, uh, again, looking quite appealing, especially if you hesitate a bit more on the euro. I think it's a good proxy for the euro. Positioning is unlike the euro uh, and, and against the dollar anyway. The, the positioning story is very favorable for the franc. We have the SNB language, which is clearly changed from what we've had uh, a few years ago. Uh, and what has been most relevant to me on, on the Swiss is that, you know, even if you look at Euro Swiss, when we were, you know, strongly in a, in a risk on um, sentiment uh, earlier, a few weeks ago and, you know, throughout this week and throughout uh, last week and until Friday, is that even in a risk on, you know, Euro Swiss hasn't really done much and you, you'd expect it, you know, the Euro to outperform, but it hasn't. So, to me, it kind of tells you that, you know, the Swiss franc actually at the moment seems to be um, doing quite well, whether you're in a risk on or in a risk off. So um, that's an interesting pair and an interesting currency, I think. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything on that, but... Um, yeah, uh, uh, no, sure. So we actually, we we, we, we saw it a bit similarly, actually, when we go back to kind of the third and fourth quarter of last year, where we had a short position in dollar Swiss franc, where we kind of, we told ourselves that at some point we were going to see a bit of a turn in, 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 in the US dollar from strength to weakness, but we didn't really dare betting on a very cyclical currency into what looked like a, you know, significant global economic slowdown, several geopolitical risks, etc. So we had kind of a preferred uh, currency in the Swiss franc um, uh, towards the latter part of, of last year. We, 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 we kind of took that position off. We had a target of around 93, so, so, so we, we took it off a few weeks ago. But I think it, it has a lot of merits, what, what you're saying, in, in, in the sense that, that, that the Swiss franc you know, has a bit of a safe haven uh, characteristics, it could benefit a bit if kind of if the, the European economy broadly speaking does does better so it, it seems like a, a clever a, a clever currency some somewhere in between the the very risky cyclical currencies and also not being kind of the dollar so I I, I, uh, I think there is some 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 value in in that and maybe just for the for the listeners we we are forecasting uh, 86 on on dollar Swiss uh, for end of the year so some more Swiss strength, uh, strength in our view Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, that's uh, certainly very interesting, and and uh, I like the view on the Swiss franc as well. So th this concludes our, our latest FX podcast. Any question, please reach out to myself at the terminal. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining. That was a great conversation. Uh, I hope you all found it uh, interesting. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>